Hi there, welcome back. We are listening to Midas Touch about more Republican fuckery in the Congress. By the way, do your job as an American. Make a free phone call, 202-514-2000. Tell the DOJ, the Doge, the Justice Department. Tell them, disqualify now, incarcerate now. And lock up all these insurrectionist Republicans. Remove them from office at once. Tell them, read the Constitution, 14th Amendment, Section 3, no insurrectionists may hold office. Get rid of them all. Two and a half years ago, motherfuckers. Fucking cowards. Fucking pissed off. Pissed off with the inaction of the Justice Department. Two and a half years later. Federal judge warns Trump lawyers in powerful hearing 14 minutes ago. All right, some of you have still been asking me how Medicare recipients can claim their flex card today. If you're on Medicare... And you I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network, and this is a breaking news alert. A hearing was held earlier in the day in federal court in Washington, D.C., in connection with the new case filed by special counsel Jack Smith against Donald Trump for criminal conduct relating to the 2020 election. This was the first hearing after the arraignment was held on August 3rd, and this was the first hearing before the federal judge who will be presiding over the case, Judge Tanya S. Chutkin. This hearing was about the dueling protective orders that were filed, one by the Department of Justice. An alternative protective order was filed by Donald Trump's lawyers. Ultimately, the government wanted to ensure... Now, okay, mockingbirds. Okay, we just love the parley agentificated. Okay, post on Christopher Perez, and, uh... ...to ensure that Donald Trump cannot use the uh, documents and other evidence produced in discovery to harass and intimidate... Yeah, it was too late for that. The... the the um, <clears throat> prosecutors are getting thousands of death threats. 
was filed by Donald Trump's lawyers. Ultimately, the government wanted to ensure that Donald Trump cannot use the uh, documents and other evidence produced in discovery to harass and intimidate witnesses, as Donald Trump has been doing. And Donald Trump's lawyers wanted to try to make accessible and available all of the documents and discovery so Donald Trump could precisely do just that and reveal the identities of witnesses and of documents that were obtained during the grand jury process during the FBI witness interview process and during other processes that led up to the ultimate indictment that was brought against Donald Trump. Judge Chutkin had some very harsh words for Donald Trump, gave warnings to Donald Trump's lawyers. I'll get to that in just one moment. But in terms of the protective order, Judge Chutkin adopted a bit of a compromise approach. The government wanted essentially all of the documents that they were going to be producing. And according to one of Jack Smith's lead lawyers who was at the hearing, Tom Windham, um, about 11.6 million pages of discovery and documents to be turned over. So not an insignificant amount of documents, but the government wanted all of those documents to be deemed sensitive information pursuant to a protective order so that they could not be made public presumptively. Trump's lawyers objected to that. On that one small, narrow point, Judge Chutkin actually did side with Trump's lawyers and said, no, it needs to be a little bit more narrowly tailored than that government. Yes, Witness interviews, grand jury material, other FBI investigation notes, addresses, and other personal identifying information. All of that can be basically deemed presumptively sensitive information and confidential pursuant to a protective order and not made public due to the threat of witness intimidation. But you got to be a little more narrowly tailored than that. But I think that was the only time the judge agreed with anything else that Donald Trump's lawyers were selling. And specifically, Judge Chutkin admonished Donald Trump's lawyers for trying to run a political campaign in her courtroom and made it very clear that the protective order that would be entered soon after this hearing had to be adhered to. And nothing in that gave Donald Trump a right to intimidate, harass, or threaten witnesses. And Judge Chutkin made it very clear that she would be running these proceedings as she would any criminal defendant. She said she doesn't care if there are political campaigns going on. That doesn't matter to her. She said that the government brought their case when the government's case was ready. Donald Trump is a criminal defendant no different than any other criminal defendant that goes before our court, and he would be treated accordingly. Specifically, Chutkin admonished Trump's lawyer, John Lauro, who was there, saying that he was, quote, conflating what your client Donald Trump needs to do to defend himself and what your client wants to do politically. Your client's defense is supposed to happen, Mr. Lauro, in this courtroom and not on the Internet. Federal Judge Chutkin also stated, quote, what the defendant Donald Trump is currently doing, the fact that he's running a political campaign, has to yield to the orderly administration of justice. If that means he can't say exactly what he wants to say about witnesses in this case, that is how it has to be. Mr. Trump, 
like every American, has a First Amendment right to free speech. But that right is not absolute. Defendant's free speech is subject to the release conditions imposed at arraignment, and it must yield to the orderly administration of justice. And that's a significant line there by Judge Chutkin, because one of Donald Trump's entire defenses to the case brought against him, and this is why I said it was a frivolous defense, was basically he said he had a free speech right to engage in a conspiracy to try to overthrow the 2020 election, whether it's through the fake elector scheme, threats and intimidation, the various conduct he engaged in in the various states with co-conspirators to try to change votes from Biden to Trump. There is not an absolute free speech right to engage in criminal conduct. When that speech becomes a criminal conspiracy, that is a crime, and that's actually what Donald Trump has been charged with here. The crime of conspiracy to overthrow our democracy, to overthrow a free and fair election. The same concept applies to discovery. In a criminal proceeding, there are protective orders. There are rules. You can't say that you have a free speech right as a criminal defendant to try to uh, go against the orderly administration of justice and to violate the conditions imposed on your release. And Judge Chutkin made that very clear. Ben Micellis here from the Midas Touch Network. You know, my old mattress was very low quality. It would overheat while my fiancé and I were laying in it, making for a terrible night's sleep. Then I discovered eight sleep. Ben Micellis personally going to find statements from parties or their counsel that can threaten the process. In You're addition, the to more a party makes inflammatory... slash Midas. You're going to love it. Judge Chutkin also concluded the hearing by saying the following, quote, I intend to ensure the orderly administration of justice in this case as I would with any other case. Even arguably, even arguably ambiguous statements from parties or their counsel that can threaten the process. In addition, the more a party makes inflammatory statements about this case, which could taint the jury pool, the greater the urgency will be that we proceed to trial quickly. I will take whatever measures are necessary to safeguard the integrity of these proceedings. That's such an important line there from Judge Chutkin during the hearing because Special Counsel Jack Smith has just filed a motion requesting a trial date be set on January 2nd, 2024. Donald Trump's lawyers are going to obviously object to that and they're going to want a trial date sometime in 2025 or sometime after the 2024 election. Donald Trump has already made posts to that effect. And essentially here, what uh, Judge Chutkin is telling all of the parties is that the more Donald Trump threatens people, the more he engages in witness intimidation, and that that could impact the jury pool. From the perspective of this court, that will be one of the factors of why this case should go to trial immediately to try to protect against the bias that the criminal defendant in this case, Donald Trump, is trying to thrust on the voir dire process, on the jury pool. And so 
I think Judge Chutkin realizes that Donald Trump's not going to be able to control himself at all, that he is continuing to threaten people. She is aware she's been provided with the material by Special Counsel Jack Smith's team, by Tom Wynnum and others, about Trump's threats of former Vice President Pence, Trump's threats about the prosecutor, the threats on the judge, and Judge Chutkin saying, well, the more he does that, that's going to make me more inclined, make me more likely inclined to set a trial date in the in early 2024, even if there is a large amount of discovery uh, in this case. So the next big hearing is set for August 28th. That is a trial setting conference there. She's expected to set the trial date. We'll see what Donald Trump files in his brief about the trial date. Again, we expect that to be requesting trial date after November uh, 2024, sometime into 2025. And I do expect now special counsel Jack Smith's team at that oral argument to discuss all of the threats that Donald Trump uh, has made. And I expect what they're going to do, we'll see if I'm right, they're going to make a grid. They're going to make a graph. They're going to show every single date all of his threats, you're going to see three to five, sometimes 10 threats a day. If you add the interviews and, and events that he that, that Trump speaks at, so they'll show three, three threats, five threats, 10 threats. And they'll say, Judge, since the August 11th hearing that you held through August 28th, where you admonished Trump's lawyers, there have been 500 threats. I'm making that number up. But there have been 500 threats that Donald Trump has made against the court, against prosecutors, against witnesses. And if you go back even further, it's a thousand or whatever the number's going to be. And Judge, that is why we also need to have the trial date, as you stated at the previous hearing. That's why we need this January 2nd, 2024 trial date. I thought it was very smart that uh, Judge Chutkin uh, did that as well. So we'll keep you up to date. Protect order is going to be entered. It's going to be somewhat of a compromise, more along the lines of what the government wanted, but just slightly more restrictive on the sensitive uh, material. Government will turn over 11.4, 11.5 million pages of documents to Trump's legal team, um, and the process will get rolling. I certainly expect there to be a lot of filings in this case, and we will keep you up to date. Check out MidasTouch.com to get all the breaking news information. It's the one-stop shop for all things Midas Touch. MidasTouch.com. Thanks for watching, and make sure you subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast as well. I'm Ben Micellis. Have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. YouTube. Big whoop. So fucking hard to get followers. And they just took down on, um, you know, kind of a little bit of success by. Uh... Welcome back. Some Republican. What was that just? Uh, I don't know. I'll just shut it down. Pastor turns against Trump and calls out GOP 15 hours ago. What's up, everyone? Coastie speaks here. 
So recently an evangelical pastor expressed his concern about other evangelical pastors telling him that their Trump-loving congregants have become so militant that they are even rejecting the teachings of Jesus Christ. And this is something that I have illustrated for a long time. They used to ask, what would Jesus do? Now if you ask them, is that what Jesus would do? They basically say, screw Jesus. I mean, an evangelical pastor referenced the time when a pastor was speaking about the teachings of Christ and talked about turning the other cheek. A congregant came up to him after and said, where'd you get those liberal talking points? The pastor said, I'm literally quoting Jesus Christ. And the response was, yeah, I know that doesn't work anymore. That's weak. Again, when a pastor was speaking about the teachings of Jesus Christ and talked about turning the other cheek, a congregate came up and said, Jesus Christ's teachings are liberal and weak. Now, I know some of you might be a bit confused. Some of you might be trying to understand how people could be this way. But this is easy. So easy to explain. Let me show you. Watch this video of Carrie Lake first. Okay, who's the smart Alec? Who's the smart Alec out there? Sir, thank you. Um, we really need President Trump. I'm going to be honest. He asked about VP, and because people ask that, we got to get President Trump to be our nominee. I know whoever he picks is going to be a great choice. And when I show up to vote for him in November of 24, whoever he picks, I'm voting for him with every ounce of my being. I want him in office. Think about this. Many people have traded church for these pseudo campaign rallies. They have replaced Jesus with Trump. People like Carrie Lake are their preachers. Remember, Carrie Lake isn't a politician. She isn't in office. This is not a campaign rally. This is church. And the people yelling praises at her are the congregation. They stand at their pulpit or podium and pontificate the teachings of their Lord and Savior, Donald Trump. Seriously, where do you think this comes from? Marxist, communist, fascist, indict me. I consider it a great, great, great badge of honor. I do. I do. Because I'm being indicted for you. I am being indicted for you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. So just as Jesus was persecuted for you, Trump is being indicted for you. And that's what his disciples, I mean surrogates, are preaching. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene already said this. And I am here to tell you right now, I will vote for President Trump, even if he is in jail. So they've already conceded that Donald Trump is probably going to prison and that he will pardon himself. And then him stepping out of prison, they will liken to Jesus's resurrection. Just watch. I mean, Charlie Kirk recently had Matt Gates on and tweeted out a video. This was the caption. Congressman Matt Gates has a bold plan he believes could immunize Donald Trump from Jack Smith's politically weaponized crusade. Bring Trump in to testify before the House as a whistleblower, thereby triggering certain pre-existing immunity protections. Will it work? No idea. A crusade. A crusade, really. Okay, and listen. I watched the video so you don't have to. And Matt Gates' bold plan isn't bold at all. And spoiler alert, Kirk asks, will it work? 
No. No, it won't work. But the biggest problem is that what's being preached in these pseudo-churches is dangerous. Here's what someone said at a recent Marjorie Taylor Greene church. I'm going to do one more. Yes, sir. coincidences. Marjorie Taylor Greene has been spewing this nonsense for a long time. This is her leading up to January 6th. Representatives and senators can be kicked out and no longer serve in our government. And it's a, it's a crime punishable by death is what treason is. No, I'll echo the words of uh, many of my colleagues as we were just meeting together in our GOP conference meeting this morning. This is our 1776 moment. But here's the deal. If this generation doesn't stand up and defend freedom, it's gone. And once it's gone, freedom doesn't come back by itself. The only way you get your freedoms back is that it's earned with the price of blood. So again, they believe Donald Trump is their Messiah, they're his disciples, and you are their marks. And the only way to rid ourselves of these political rodents is to vote them out. Period. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Ignore all news stories about UFOs. They are using it to distract the masses from what's really going on. Listen up. You have a right to know about this. It all started last week in a closed-off hearing in the Capitol. Are telling pastors... Jesus is too woke. Christian um, fundamentalist white Christian terrorists
Okay. Let's see what else we got. Blacksmith keeps quiet on key witness ready to crush still we saw that. Uh oh. Oh man. Okay, here we go. Fox host turns against Republican plot online TV. Didn't we just yeah, we just saw that too. Let's go to videos, see if anything's been uploaded that I haven't seen. Jackson files major motion on Trump trial dates. I'm Ben Micellis from Legal AF, joined by Karen Friedman Agnifilo. We have some breaking news to report. Special counsel Jack Smith has just requested a trial date in the new criminal case brought in Washington, D.C. against Donald Trump for Trump's crimes relating to the 2020 election and the January 6th insurrection. Special counsel Jack Smith is requesting a January 2nd 2024 trial date and in this very powerful motion that special counsel jack smith filed as the government's response to the court's august 3rd 2023 minute order special counsel jack smith says that this preserves the public's interest and the defendant's interest in the right to a speedy trial. It balances uh, all of the necessary kind of constitutional accommodations. And Special Counsel Jack Smith says there is plenty of time. They are ready to complete all of their discovery obligations, Special Counsel Jack Smith says, and even help and assist Donald Trump's lawyers if they're struggling to go through that discovery. He says by August 28th, assuming Trump can just agree to this protective order, um, and that can be resolved where there's a hearing on Friday about that judge, Chutkin, presiding over the case isn't wasting time. Jack Smith's like, we are ready to go, and he obviously foreshadows that Trump's lawyers, based on all of their media appearances, are trying to delay, delay. Karen Friedman, Agnifilo, what do you make of this motion and Jack Smith requesting a January 2nd, 2024 trial date? I mean, first of all, the, the government is ready, right? This is what we used to say uh, when we were, when I was a prosecutor, you'd stand up in court and say, the people are ready. Those are three magic words. It means we're ready to go to trial. And that's what the government is signaling. That's what Jack Smith is signaling in this uh, amazing, um, or th this amazing motion that, um, you know, that he presented to the court and the court, you know, is absolutely, I think, going to really uh, listen to what he has to say, because it's just fascinating to me how in this eight page response, in this eight page motion, Jack Smith just smacks down everything that the, uh, you know, that, um, that, the defense that Trump has said on TV through his lawyers, but, you know, he proposes a trial that begins January 2nd, 2024. I think we all said, I think you and I, Ben, have predicted February, so we were slightly off, but we were close. Uh, and he says, look, this is a trial date that works, and we estimate this to be something in the lines of four to six weeks. It will not take longer that th than that for our case in chief, which is a relatively quick trial, four to six weeks. And uh, and they think a January 2nd trial date would, would be in the public interest as well as give the defendant plenty of time to prepare for the trial, and there were several things that they that they said in here that I thought was sort of interesting. First of all, they proposed a, a pretty generous um, 
schedule where they talk about Rule 12 and other motions uh, being uh, happening in September and October. Rule 12 are, are motions that you bring where you're talking about anything that you have to bring pre-trial and the federal rules of criminal procedure are very specific. There's certain rules that you have to bring, I mean, certain motions, sorry, that you have to bring before trial, like things like jurisdiction and, and venue and, and those types of things, uh, motions that have to be made before trial, motions in limine, there's a whole list and litany of them. Then they propose other motions that need to happen and oppositions. There's a whole schedule and replies, a final pretrial conference in December, jury selection December 11, just so that they get a jury, but then no matter, even even if they get a jury in one day or two days, which is really all it normally takes federally, let's say here it takes a week because you have to really, there's, there's people who have strong feelings about Donald Trump and you have to really vet them. And they propose a January 2nd day that openings start, regardless of how long jury selection takes. But a December 11th jury selection gives plenty of time to pick a jury to make sure that they get one that is fair and impartial. Uh, and the government, you know, look, they, they, they also then take a few stabs at the defense where they say, look, you know, that the, 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 that the defense has gone on TV and said things like, you know, oh, the Speedy Trial Act is only for the defense. And they've had three, three, and they've had over three years to investigate this. And, and they point out that, look, January 6th wasn't even three years ago. So, no, we didn't have three years to investigate it. And also, by the way, the Speedy Trial Act isn't just for the defense. It's also for the public. And the public has a right to a speedy trial. And we're going to give you all the discovery in detail with, like, you know, digests showing, okay, this is where the important stuff is. This is where the, you know, everything like a, almost like a roadmap for them. And a lot of the defenses, by the way, are defenses. And, and the, the other thing they point out, which I think is an excellent point, is that, uh, is that there is a, um, is that is that the defenses, many of them that they're going to bring, are ones that they already brought in the seven battleground states, right? The some of the defenses regarding, uh, or some of the claims regarding this, the states that with the fake electors. So they've had plenty of time to think of these arguments. They've been making some of them in courts already. So they are ready to go, and they are calling out the. Trump and his lawyers on this. And Trump's been losing those arguments time after time in federal court, also in D.C. federal court and the D.C. circuit. There's so much precedent that Trump's essentially created against Trump by bringing these very frivolous motions and arguments before the grand jury. And give credit to the January 6th committee. They deserve a lot of credit for a lot of things, but also some of the legal arguments that Donald Trump made that was rejected through federal courts and state courts and courts throughout the country there are going to come back and backfire against him. As you go through this motion um, filed by special counsel Jack Smith, there's numerous sections. Section A talks about what you mentioned, Karen, that the Constitution and federal law provide that a speedy trial is also in the public's interest and in the interest of justice here regarding Trump's claim that, oh, he's going to need to delay, delay. Paragraph B deals with that. The government is prepared to exceed its discovery obligations and provide substantial assistance 
to aid the defendant's review of produced material. It talks about how the government's prepared at this moment to produce to the defendant the majority of discovery in this case, including materials that exceed its obligations. As soon as the court issues a protective order, the government will produce to the defendant materials, including grand jury transcripts and associated exhibits through the date of the indictment, witness interview recordings, transcripts and reports, including agent notes, along with records used during the interviews, the vast majority of materials obtained through search warrants. Um, unredacted materials obtained from other governmental entities, including the House Select Committee, to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol and the United States Secret Service. The motion goes on to say the government went to great lengths to organize these materials in a user-friendly manner, uh, prepare them in formats ready to be loaded into a document review platform, and create detailed logs to guide the defendant's review, knowing that Trump and his lawyers are going to say we have too much documents too much discovery then the jab that you mentioned that special counsel took at special counsel jackson took at trump's lawyers they say defense counsel claimed both in a media interview and in the initial hearing that the initial hearing on uh, august 3rd 2023 that the government has been investigating this matter for three and a half years while the defense is starting with a blank slate not only is this claim impossible as january 6 2021 was two and a half years ago but it is disingenuous the defendant has been aware of and has responded forcefully in oppositions to the various motions in different courts that you referenced. And then finally, Section C, Special Counsel Jack Smith talks about throughout the nation have navigated substantial cases while ensuring speedy trials. And in this section, it talks about how the proposed schedule would actually be longer than numerous other high-profile cases that were administered in less time, showing Judge Chutkin that this can and should be done here as well. Final question for you, Karen Friedman Agnifilo, as you go through this powerful order, January 6, 2024 trial date, December 11, 2023 jury selection, December 8, 2023 final pretrial conference, December 4, 2023 replies in support of motion in limines, September 5th, 2023 rule 12 and other dispositive motions. Do you think federal judge Chutkin will grant this motion and set the trial date in January of 2024? I think it's going to be, we're, we're going to still be right in the end, because we said February, right? That's when me and you both said we think this trial is going to go in February. I think she's going to say, she's not. She's going to be conscious of not wanting to look like she's just doing exactly what the government says. And so she'll probably give them one more month and say, you know what, let's start jury selection on January 2nd, and then we can start the trial few weeks after that or maybe maybe february so i think i think there's a chance that we might still be right i just for whatever reason february feels right to me and that's when i think this case is going and so for those keeping track you've got the october new york attorney general civil case against uh, donald trump seeking at least 250 million dollars for civil fraud in january you have the e jean carroll civil case the next defamation case you also have a class action against donald trump set in january so if this is set in january it would probably move the other two if it's set in february it probably doesn't impact that that brings 
brings you then to March with the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal case, and then May for Judge Eileen Cannons, who set the case in May of 2024 for Donald Trump's willful retention of national defense information. I will do another hot take on how Judge Eileen Cannons' uh, trial setting may be impacted by this, how this may impact Judge Eileen Cannon. And the hint is, I think that if this trial date goes before Judge Eileen Cannon, it's going to kind of force her to try to do some interesting things. I think she's going to make some big mistakes there. And then even if this gets kicked March or April or May, there's a nice little cushion there as I think Cannons may get kicked with all of the shenanigans she's engaged in to 2025. But I think this case definitely goes in 2024 before the November 2024 election. I feel very confident in that. Karen and I will be back with more hot takes. Make sure you go to MidasTouch.com, the new destination for all things Midas I've Touch, said, a perfect compliment to everything that for we me. do here. That's, I our, said that. I just said that like a week ago. So, that's wonderful. Ah, ah. She don't need no Instagram. She just uses Instagram. Trump gives disturbing interview and looks terrified. Hey, Dr. Drew, my wife Susan here. We want to show you something. You're always saying cardio isn't the right way to lose weight. I mean, why? The only thing I would say is if you like doing cardio, keep doing cardio. But what ultimately ends up happening, your body eventually stops responding to it. You need to stop. Incredible people, Jack Smith. Uh, he's like a he's like a deranged Newsmax and spread his lies, showed how deranged and desperate he was. Then the Newsmax host, Eric Bowling, had to go on after and say, we just want to let you know that we accept the results of the 2020 election after Donald Trump gave the interview because they know they could be sued again um, as a result of Trump's conduct. I want to show you Donald Trump's statements, and then I want to compare it, though, to right around the same time what Donald Trump's own former White House lawyer Ty Cobb was saying, and what one of Donald Trump's former closest advisors, and now one of the candidates for the Republican nomination for the presidency, Chris Christie, is saying about Donald Trump. Let's get into it, folks. So, Donald Trump in the ultimate ultimate form of projection says of special counsel jack smith the following play the clip the next question uh, jack smith yeah biden gets merrick garland to get jack smith to do these investigations of you deranged he's like a deranged human being we'll i watch this guy talk, yeah, what's his motivation what's i think i think he's just a sick guy uh, he destroyed the lives of many people he was overturned unanimously in the supreme court i believe he's zero and five in other words he takes it to the end he was involved with the IRS scandal, the big lowest learner IRS. That was him. That was his baby, where the government had to end up paying money, damages, and apologies all over the place, where they went after Christians and they went after incredible people. Jack Smith, uh, he's, like a, he's like a deranged individual. And I think we're doing very well with that guy, but he is, uh, he's a sick puppy. And, you know, you look at the boxes. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do everything that you see. Biden didn't. Biden's got 1,850 boxes. He's got boxes in Chinatown. Now, here's a... I want to see how scared 
deranged Donald Trump is here. Donald Trump is, they talk about how President Biden, President Biden was visited by President Obama and said, you guys are taking Trump too lightly. Look at Donald Trump's response. Play the clip. President Obama visited Joe Biden a couple of weeks ago and said, be wary of Donald Trump. You guys are taking it too, too lightly, taking him too lightly. What are your thoughts on Obama? Well, he's not taking it too lightly. He indicted me three or four times. I haven't checked. By the time I walk out, they'll probably indict me. Indicting, when I went to the Great Wharton School of Finance, we didn't have a course on indictments and, you know, all of the things that go with the indictment stuff. Uh, no, he's not taking it not seriously. Uh, he's probably taking it more seriously than any candidate in history because he has the Justice Department that he said he was going to do. If you look back two years, he made a statement that we will stop Donald Trump that he was constitutionally, he doesn't even know what the Constitution is. The guy can't put together two sentences. He can't talk. Every time I watch him talk, it's almost like he's walking on eggs. You, you wonder, is he going to get through the sentence? We have Here, one of the new MAGA Republican talking points in attacking Fulton County District Attorney as she's about to indict Donald Trump is to attack her so viciously and personally and to... Uh, attack her I'll just let you I'll let you watch it play this then I'll show you something else so play this clip people know next week Fannie Willis Fannie Willis the prosecutor in Georgia they're setting up barricades outside the, the terrible, terrible, terrible terrible they're in preparation obviously I would assume for an indictment what are your thoughts of her because there's some discussion that she may have some questionable background I, you know there's some her Father may or may not have been in Black Panther. I think that was discussed. She's had perhaps incorrect relationships with some of the people, some of the gang members that she's also prosecuting right now. Can she give you a fair shake? No, of course not. Look, I don't think the people of Georgia, where I did very well, and I won it the first time, and I won it, I think, by much more the second time. I can say that about the whole election, too. I don't think they'd stand for it. Uh, this woman is not a capable woman. She's a woman that has, uh, I mean, and maybe she'll change her mind. And I don't know what she's doing. I really don't know. All I know is she could have done it two and a half years ago if she was going to do something. And this is about a perfect phone call, a call where I'm questioning the election. I'm telling them that, in my opinion, the election was rigged. And they're saying that I was, I did something incorrect. I didn't do anything wrong. I believe I won that election by many, many votes, many, many hundreds of thousands of votes. That's what I think. And I expressed that on the phone call. And I said, I don't know what the number was, like 11,000 or something. I said, what I need is 11,000 votes. I won this thing by hundreds of thousands of votes. That's my opinion. And it's a strong opinion. And I think it's borne out by the facts. And we'll see that. But uh, she wants to and do something on a perfect phone call. This call, I say, was more perfect than my call with Ukraine, which turned out to be a hell of a lot better than people even thought because I was right about Ukraine. When I said you should look into and take a look at Biden, I called to congratulate Zelensky, nice guy. I call and I get along great with him. I get along great with Putin. And frankly, I'll have a, something worked out within literally 24 hours. I will get. And what the MAGA Republicans are pushing is just so despicable. This is what Donald Trump said in New Hampshire about Fulton County District Attorney Phony Willis. And this is what they're referencing in these softball interviews here. Play this clip of Donald Trump in New Hampshire. Still on Metformin, although it was recalled? 
What if I told you there was a way to easily restore healthy blood sugar levels naturally, so you can get off it? Well there is. Try one spoon of this tiny purple cocktail every evening before bed, and instantly Here, play this clip of Donald Trump in New Hampshire. They waited, and I probably have another one. They say there's a young woman, uh, a young racist in Atlanta. Say racist. And they say, I guess, they say that she was after a certain gang, and she ended up having an affair with the head of the gang or a gang member. And this is a person that wants to indict me. She's got a lot of problems, but she wants to indict me to try and run for some other office. Uh, what's going on in this country is, uh, and by the way, wants to indict me for a perfect phone call. This was even better than my perfect call with Ukraine. Remember okay, this is the new line that the MAGA Republicans and Trump are, are saying. He goes, okay, we just got subpoena power. So now they say they're going to prove that the 2020 election was stolen. Again, more deranged conspiracies coming from them. Despicable lies. They say that. And, and then we're going to subpoena the January 6th committee. Well, one of the things they say is the January 6th committee is destroyed and deleted all of the documents again just like a, it's, it's just a total lie everything they say is a lie 17 audio recordings of Biden those don't exist a whistleblower the whistleblowers that another whistleblower the whistleblowers missing another whistleblower the whistleblowers a spy of China another whistleblower the whistleblower is an oligarch of Russia is Putin's oligarch can't make this stuff up here play this clip they're doing this type of thing and you're answering indictments and, and arraignments. Well, it's incredible. I mean, it really is incredible. And and I'm answering them not for that. I'm answering because I question an election. Not only question, I, I totally dispute that election. I think it's ridiculous what happened and that they allowed that to happen and that the media doesn't want anybody to talk about it. But now we can. And we did something yesterday. You know, now that we have the subpoena power, because we now have subpoena power, all of a sudden the J6 committee, the unselects, I call them, everything was deleted and destroyed. The documents, everything was deleted and destroyed. That's a criminal act. So all of that stuff, all of that nonsense you watch for a year and a half go on with all Democrats and two so-called Republicans, but they were worse than any of the Democrats, Kinzinger and Cheney. Uh, it's all been deleted and gotten rid of. They deleted it because they didn't want anybody to see it, because the real answers were there, but they didn't want to report it. Uh, that's incredible. And 60% of U.S. pork production comes from one company owned by China. And their hogs, they're given something called ractopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China. Yet uh -huh. you find this in your grocery store. Everything Trump is saying is just completely yeah. fabrication, just total lie. Fuck Play that. the clip. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do everything that you see. Biden didn't. And you'll ever taste, but for a limited time, spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Midas Touch. That's moinkbox.com slash Midas Touch. Okay, here Donald Trump talks about Again, this is like the xenophobic attack on Biden talks about hiding documents in Chinatown. And none of nothing that he's saying is true. It just like everything Trump is saying is just completely <laughs> fabrication, just total lie. Play the clip. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do everything that you see. Biden didn't. Biden's got 1,850 boxes. He's got boxes in Chinatown. Now here's a guy getting money from China, and he's got boxes in Chinatown. That's big stuff. He's got boxes at Penn, totally unsecured, and he's got boxes under his Corvette, right behind his Corvette, sitting on a wet garage floor, classified documents. 
I never hear anything about that. It's a rigged system. It's a corrupt country. We're living in a very corrupt country. And Here, Donald Trump is whining about he doesn't want to debate. By the way, he doesn't want to debate because he's afraid of Chris Christie. More on that in just a moment. But play this clip. I mean, I have a problem with the debate for another reason. I wouldn't sign the pledge. Why would I sign a pledge of people on there that I wouldn't have? I wouldn't have certain people as, you know, somebody that I'd endorse. So they want you to sign a pledge. But I can name three or four people that I wouldn't support for president. So right there, there's a problem. Okay, right there, there's a problem. And here, after the interview concludes, uh, Eric Bowling, the interviewer, has to go on and give a disclaimer that says that Newsmax accepts that the election results are legal and final here. Play this clip. Oh, we thank you. The American people thank you. I thank you, Newsmax. Thank you. And great job. Great success. You're doing a fantastic job. Thank, thank you, you Mr. Much. President. Thank you. All right, folks, now just a note, Newsmax has accepted the election results as legal and final. All right, I said we were going to show you the Chris Christie clip. Donald Trump is so afraid to debate former governor of New Jersey, Republican Chris Christie. Here's what Chris Christie had to say on Fox at the same time Donald Trump was giving that interview about Trump. Play the clip. Your feelings about Donald Trump as a person, as a candidate, as a president have evolved quite significantly over time. Sure. He's left me. And, you know, this is not the guy that I've known all those years. Um, in fact, when he decided on election night 2020, Brett, to say the election was stolen, when we now know, you know, I know, and any objective person knows the election was not stolen. When he stood behind the seal of the President of the United States in the East Room of the White House and said that, that was it for me. You cannot undermine the American people's faith in democracy because your ego is hurt, because you're the first person to ever lose to Joe Biden outside the state of Delaware. I understand that must hurt to lose to somebody as feeble and incompetent as Joe Biden, but he did. And if we nominate him this time, he will again. He's left me, Brett. And that's why I need to stand up and make sure the truth is told about this. And quite frankly, I don't understand why my other colleagues in this race are not saying it, except that either they're unwilling or too scared to do it. I'm neither. And I'll be there two weeks from tonight with you and Martha to make this case and the case for why Christie presidency is the right one for America. Now let's hear from Trump's former White House lawyer, the top former White House lawyer under the Trump administration, Ty Cobb. Here is what he had to say about Donald Trump's defense that uh, uh, threatening people to overturn the results of the election was just aspirational. It was an aspirational ask. Play the clip. Um, he asked in an aspirational way. He went on to say, asking is not speech. It's not action. That's the heart of this, right? Speech versus action. Does that defense fly here? Not at all. Uh, I'm, I'm not aware of the aspirational defense um, or the free speech uh, defense to uh, <laughs> to a gang leader saying to two of his uh, subordinates, I need you two to please rob a bank for me, and they do it. Um, you know, that's, that's aspirational, uh, but it leads to a crime. Uh, and that's exactly what Trump did, uh, did with Pence. Folks, I didn't want to only show you the Trump interview. It's so disgusting, so disturbing. One of the most disturbing ones yet. Just whines and me, they're coming after me. It's just like, shut up. Yeah, in addition to being a criminal fascist traitor, it's just like, shut up, you annoying, whiny person. You... Sheesh. But I also want to compare it to 
you know, sometimes I do the comparison videos. Okay, what is Trump saying? What is President Joe Biden saying? Those are very effective, and thank you for recommending them. But the other one I want to show you here is, okay, here's what Trump's saying. Here is what Trump's former White House lawyer is saying about Trump. Here's what Trump's former closest advisor, one of his closest advisors, Chris Christie, is saying about Trump. I think it's important to make those comparisons and show that the MAGA Republican base is just a cult. Is just a cult. And people like Ty Cobb and Chris Christie, who by all accounts may, would be considered conservative, they're viewed by MAGA Republicans as rhinos. And then you get your Lauren Boebert walking on stage, and I'm going rhino hunting. I'm hunting rhinos, or I'm hunting for rhinos. Stupid. Marjorie Taylor Greene, when they're not fighting with each other and calling each other names, also calling people rhinos. It's not normal. We're not normalizing that behavior. We're calling it out together, folks. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers. You know the new destination. MidasTouch.com. Check us out. MidasTouch.com. Thank you all so much for watching. Go to MidasTouch.com now. Thanks. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Live. GOP loses big in Ohio. Is Trump next? Trump next. A major victory for abortion rights in Ohio is direct democracy our secret weapon. Will Trump face even more charges in the January 6th case? And is he at risk of a gag order? We'll also yeah. check in with the 2024 campaigns where things continue to unravel for Ron DeSantis. Finally, new data suggests Americans are more polarized than ever. We'll dissect the data and help you bridge the divide. This is Majority 54. All right, Jason. Well, some great news. It seems like, you know, we've been on a run of some strong election results uh, over the past two years going back to 2020. And... Uh, this one kind of snuck up on me, I have to be honest. So th this is uh, the the posture of this is really fascinating. Do you fully understand the vote no, yes posture here? You want to explain to our audience? Sure, yes. So that's why it snuck up on everybody is because I think if you're in Ohio, you really understand that there's the, you understood that there was this major vote coming up that really was about abortion, even though it was not about abortion, uh, which is sort of like we have that segment. It's political, but it doesn't seem political. This is like it was about abortion, but it doesn't. Uh, explicitly say it's about abortion. I think folks in Ohio got that clearly, which is why they voted the way they did, but the rest of the country, it snuck up on us. So basically, here's the deal. In Ohio, like a lot of other uh, states, particularly red states, where the legislature had passed uh, some form of um, a ban on abortion, uh, you know, either an outright ban or a very restrictive ban. Sometimes they passed it prior to the Dobbs decisions, and, and then it just took effect as a result of the Dobbs decision, and sometimes they passed it after the Dobbs decision. But either way, in Ohio, it was on the books. And so Ohio is one of these states where uh, proponents of abortion rights were putting together a, uh, a ballot initiative on abortion. And everybody in the state knew it, that it was going to be yet another state that was going to vote, like Kansas did. Kansas was the first one to do it. That was going to have a vote on whether or not to put uh, a right to reproductive choice, reproductive freedom in the state constitution. So 
in Ohio, Republicans saw this coming and they were like, this is going to be really bad for us. So they went ahead and put on the ballot something that would make it harder to change the state constitution by ballot referendum. Specifically, they were trying to make it where it was a 60% threshold. You had to get 60% of the vote in order to change the state constitution. So even though what people voted on was really just about changing the threshold of, of constitutional amendments to the state constitution for uh, direct democracy votes, it was really about abortion because it was the entire reason that they were having the vote. As a side note, this is like a really interesting thing that has happened throughout our history. And I remember, I don't know if this happened for you, but like in law school, we would be reading a law or reading even some changes to the Constitution and not understanding logically why they had happened and trying to assign logic to them until finally the professor or somebody in the know would be like, no, 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 it was all about the political situation at the time. My favorite mm -hmm. example is the entire reason Arnold Schwarzenegger or Jennifer Granholm can't run for president of the United States is because uh, you know they didn't want uh, Hamilton to be able to run for president of the United States. So they put an amendment in the Constitution that said you had to be born in the United States. And that's really the only reason. It was about Jefferson and uh, Hamilton, like, beefing. It's not because everybody's like, you know, if you were born Honestly, in Canada... I prefer a world where the GOP is run by Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, that would be... That's my point. And so, yeah. back to Ohio. Yeah. But back to Ohio, that's what's going on. So, so a no vote on this was a vote to clear the way for a vote for abortion uh, rights later on. And, you know, this is in, in line with results we've seen around the country so far. So we've won similar ballot measures in Vermont and California, but also red states like Kansas and Kentucky. And Arizona's up next. So there's this group in Arizona that's trying to get them on the ballot there. Uh, and this is a, a campaign that's run by Arizona for abortion access. And so it seems like this is the model, Jason, moving forward in a world where we can't rely on the Supreme Court or Congress to codify this for us. Yeah, in fact, um, just before we came on the air, I was sort of boning up on what's actually going on in Missouri with this stuff, which is it's very similar. There is a group out there uh, that is working to put abortion rights on the ballot. Missouri has a very restrictive law, much like what we've seen, you know, in Ohio, places like that. And so there's a group in Missouri, very red state, more red than Ohio. And there's a group that's targeted uh, the August or November elections of next year to say we're going we're gonna to have a ballot referendum on this to change the state constitution. Two things are at play. One, clearly the Republican-controlled state legislature in working with the Republican governor next year is going to try to uh, put something on the ballot that would change, uh, you know, first before the abortion vote, would change what the, uh, just like what Ohio is trying to do, would change um, the threshold you have to hit in order to change the state constitution. But even before that, uh, my successor as Secretary of State, Jay Ashcroft, is teaming up with the Attorney General of Missouri, uh, a guy named Andrew Bailey, and what they are doing is they are just bastardizing the process of ballot initiatives to try to keep abortion off the ballot. So the Secretary of State in Missouri is tasked with writing the short description that goes on the ballot. So somebody puts forward a ballot initiative uh, either for you know initiative petition to change the law or a ballot referendum to change the state constitution and it's super long right so the secretary of state writes what it's going to be and then it goes on the ballot the only other piece of that process and this is interesting is that the state auditor uh, does a little blurb at the very bottom of that uh, that says what the cost to the state would be if this were to happen right so jay ashcroft the secretary of state uh just slow walked the whole thing the court ended up forcing him to actually write a, a ballot to write a description for the ballot because he wouldn't do it and then when he finally did it was too late this was last time around uh, for the 2020 election or 2022 elections um 
and then it was too late for them to actually go get the signatures. And they're trying to do that again, but it gets even worse this time. This time, in addition to the Secretary of State slow walking writing it, the Attorney General put forward uh, a statement saying that it was going to cost billions of dollars to the state under some cockamamie theory of like losing Medicaid funding. The state auditor, who is a Republican and is an anti-choice Republican, but is a guy who like I kind of like, in the sense, like, human to human, wouldn't vote for him, but I like him. He believes in doing his job. He got in an argument with the attorney general because he was like, hey, I'm as, uh," he said, pro-life, I say anti-choice. He's like, I'm as against abortion as you are, but, like, I got to do my job, and my job means that I 